nobody will give me an answer and nobody will will have the integrity to stand up and say either yes or no or blah, blah, blah. So that pisses me off. And, and I've said multiple times to people at multiple levels in the district, like, where's the accountability? People generally don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we are all going to struggle. And how we choose to embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. How is it going out there to our family of listeners? My name is Pete, coming to you from my basement in Vermont. And with me is my friend and co-host, Todd, coming to you from the Pacific Northwest. What's up, Todd? What's happening, basement dweller? I only have a single level here. I've been patiently awaiting this conversation tonight. (laughs) Have you? I'm excited to dive right in. Okay. Well, let's dive. So earlier this week on our text thread, you sent a series of texts, one that led off with an image from the Daily Calm. Mm. And before I share what this image said, can you briefly, in less than a minute, explain to the listeners what the Daily Calm is and how you integrate it into your life? Well, the Daily Calm is an aspect of Calm, which is um, a meditation app, which is meant to be um, in snackable, um, easy to digest pieces of awareness that you can get in, I think it's 12 minutes or under. Um, they've kind of expanded the platform, but um, basically that's it. So it's on all the, it's on the web and it's on all of your typical um, devices. So you can take meditative practice with you in your pocket. Cool. So there's the tactical takeaway for the listeners right there. Boom. One minute in. Bingo. And- the link for each episode or each session, there's often a quote related to the content of that particular episode. And yep. this week, you sent me one that says, patience is a form of wisdom. It demonstrates that we understand the fact that sometimes things must unfold in their own time. And after sending that to me, you sent a series of texts, the first one saying, adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience. Then you also wrote, I long to return to a time in my life where aha insights and musings come at a swift pace. Prior to tonight's episode, I asked you if those were all related to the topic of patience. And you said, for you, they indeed were. And I thought that was a perfect tie-in because I have been wanting to host an episode with a focus of patience for some time now. And when you sent those texts this week, I thought it was a perfect segue to do that. There you go. What's really interesting is our last couple episodes with your daughter and then with Doug, the last one, was talk about kind of how, talks about how the brain works in different functions. And, and Doug spoke about how the brain thinks fast and thinks slow. And I think how the brain works with this piece of patience is really, really fascinating. So I have done some digging and some prep work for tonight's episode. And I'll share what I've learned as we make our way through the conversation. But I did want to turn it over to you to kind of lead off the conversation the way that you felt was most relevant, given that text thread that we shared earlier this week. So there's a there's a lady who um, narrates the entire thing, like she's she's the voice of calm, right? You know, she'll lead you through the meditation, and then at the end, you know, she she drops some wisdom, and it's usually a quote, and then the the image that comes with it will have um, pieces of that quote, or or even more of the entirety of the quote, depending on what the thing is. What hooked me was that quote was was the um, adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience, okay. and I thought that that was that. I mean, patience was the idea. That's what prompted me to send the three follow ups to that. To answer your question, I think a, a little bit more closely to what you're looking for was there was a point in my time in my life 
maybe 10 years ago when I started looking at myself through a different lens. And at that point, I remember I, I was just consuming things left and right, like th- new ideas, pe- new people, new you know podcasts, books, like all these things were coming up that I'd never, I'd never spent the time to digest or look at before because I, th- I thought they were kind of soft or taboo or like, you know, self-help stuff wasn't for me or whatever. And when I, when I started those, digesting those came a cascade of aha, what I call aha moments, like insights into myself or, or my behaviors or ways the people around me act that I'd never really picked up the nuance of why, why that happened, or even sometimes the subtleties of it was happening. And it's been a very long time since I thought, oh man, like, oh, that, now that makes sense. It's like, you know what I mean? Like when you put it together and you have that spark of awareness, when I was listening to that meditation and afterwards when I sent you those texts, I thought how cool that would be to be able to capture or, you know, pin down what the mechanisms are that arrive people to be in a space like that. And and like, how, how can you keep that? You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's something that would add to, you hear people say, you know, when you stop learning, you start, you stop living and things like that. But, you know, it would be really cool if you could shake a bottle and get those same conditions or something very similar. So you can have those moments where you want to keep learning or you keep experiencing that same thing. And it just draws you towards it. That's moreover what kind of what I was getting at, but patience does play a role. Oh, I have so many questions. So, <laughs> yeah. so the first one is, so as you continue to dig, do you find it's harder to unearth new things to learn about yourself? No, I, I think I'm less apt to explore what I find as my inadequacies or areas that I'm not lacking in because there's a certain level of like emergency to my life, right? Like I don't have a job. I don't, you know, I, I got all these things and they swirl in this pot and before I was very comfortable where I, I felt stable and I, and I had time to go out and look at all these different things, right? And right now is like, there's a lot of stressors, there's a lot of things coming and going. And I feel like I don't have a very good grip on like all of those things to the point where I'm comfortable enough to get to that next level. Before I had a job, I had a job every day. I would travel two hours in the car. <laughs> I had nothing but time to spend on, you know, expanding my horizons. And now it's like, I still have that same amount of time, probably more, but it's filled with different busyness. Does that make sense? So I think- Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. And then you said, we first started the conversation that about 10 years ago, you started to look at your life through a different lens. Yeah. A, what does that mean? And B, what do you think prompted that? So I I think I've talked about this before. If not, um, I can add a link to other podcasts that I've been on that better, that that more time, have a more timely explanation when this was all happening. I had a, a series of once in a lifetime opportunities that, that occurred at work where I was able to go do something completely different. And during that, a whole bunch of things just fell into line. Like, you know, one night when I was pondering if I should be doing that because, you know, I have a family and all these things, I go into this guy's office across the way and find this book about mindfulness. That's how I got started on mindfulness. Like everything just, it was, it was as if synchronicity was guiding me in a way that was just pulling me through. It was effortless. It was just like all these things started coming and I just start opening myself to them and then everything just unfolded in front of me. And and to go back to what we were talking about previously, that's what I that's what I hope I can find again or or create again or have happen to me again is the newness of all of those things and my willingness to look at them and absorb myself in them, I think pulls me towards growth. It it pulls me towards yeah. things that are better for myself. Hearing you talk about that, it makes me wonder if that was truly in fact like serendipity or if it's like you you see what you seek. And at that point in your life, you were just, you were ready. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I, yeah. I read the, uh, the daily stoic to my students every day in school. Yeah. And I read today was about good fortune. And they're saying, you know, people who seek good fortune, experience good fortune or, or the saying, 
uh, I believe in luck. And what I've learned is the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's a million. And I think just scratching the surface of that, I, what led me to that, I think, was a perfect mixture of people in my environment that were willing to be vulnerable and honest with me about myself and, mm. and my ability to accept their feedback and their help to to put me on a path that would make that better, right? And so I, I don't know if I've just separated myself from those people or if they're well, I haven't, but they're no longer my orbit. And you know, people come, people go. I don't make it a priority right now to surround myself with people who are going in that in that vein anymore. Does that make any sense? It does. I mean, except for you, yeah. right? And the people we come into contact with, I very rarely leave the circle of you know my friends and my established home, you know, like those people. You know what I mean? Well, is well, it safe to say that your regular routine does not? for lack of a better term, force you into their proximity anymore, right? Like when you're on a team or a community and you're working with people or interacting with people on a daily basis, whether it's your choice or not to be interacting with them, you are in their proximity, you are interacting with them and and they impact your life. That's fair. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I do actively seek it out. Like I'm, I'm seeking places to go that I can, that I find meaning in the work that's going there or involving myself in that work, but it's not to the depth of of what it used to be, and I think you're right that most some of that is a forcing function. Like you get to work with, you know, there's thirty thousand people on campus. Who knows who you're going to meet? But it's definitely going to be more diverse than if you're just sitting in your house <laughs> looking out the window. So there's no way, right? So before all this shakeup, there was thirty thousand employees on the Microsoft campus. Well, there's probably more than that up there, but yeah. yeah. And I mean, and then virtually you meet the other, you know, right? All told, one hundred thirty thousand, or was I don't know what it is now, but yeah, yeah, at any point in time, you get anybody's perspective coming at you, you know, from any which way. It depends. Hmm. You get a lot more, a lot more palette of colors in that. So where would you? Where do you think you're able to tie in that thought process or that perspective into the focus or the topic of patience? As you start to make those connections, my definition of patience. Uh, when I was I was doing some homework, based on your questions that are probably upcoming, but my interpretation, I think, is of, of patience is a bit different than most people's. And when I think about patience in that respect, in the in the respect of what we we're just talking about, meeting all these different people and you know having all these different opportunities, I see it more as resilience. And I think that they're very close because. I can play a long game, a very long game. And to me, that seems like patience. But to a lot of other people, that seems like perseverance or resilience. And so I have a hard time deciding which one is which. I know that I'm a very impatient person. Like I'm quick to like lash out at something if I if I don't feel, you know, that it's going the way I want, or you know, if I'm very fast to I'm very quick to impatience. But, you know, in that I can learn that I need to be patient, <laughs> need to be patient more. So I know that that's not going to happen next time. So I don't know if that answers your question. But yeah, I think kind of digging into you refer to the questions that I sent you earlier. And one of the questions that I sent you was, where in your life do you lack patience and why? And um, prior to coming down here, I, I have dinner with my family um, before we record on Monday nights. And I asked them, <laughs> I wanted their perspective on that. <laughs> where do you think that I lack patience? It was interesting to hear my wife's perspective and my daughter's perspective. And I'll, I'll share that in a moment as I tie in my own perspective. But I'm going to let you go first on this one. Yeah, I wrote that when I was thinking about that and kind of to expand what I was just talking about. Um, I wrote that I never find a specific, a specific lack of patience other than I know I've overstepped. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that's already, the damage is already done. Now I realize that, that there's been a lack, right? Like that's the only, that's the only time that I realize it. So a lot of people will say, if you work on patience, if you connect with your body or, you know, your emotions, you'll feel it in, you know, somewhere in your body, you'll feel it. You feel yourself starting to get tense. I don't really feel that. I feel myself lash out and then I know it's there. And then I've, I've overstepped and the desire to be 
to have that never become the same level again, that's the only time I ever really work on a desire to be any better. Not to say it's ever going to work, but I realize the edge of it. And then I go, I can't go that far again, hopefully. Right. So then I'd begin to do the work that says I, I can, I have a desire now to be less reactive, I guess is the better way to look at it. But when it comes to the three things, so name three areas in life where I lack the level of patience I desire of myself, I came up with three things. Justice, when I see injustice being done to other people, that's, it's almost like what people, some people say I was so like, I was red with anger. Like it just, it just irritates me to like, I will go at that, like a junkyard dog. It just pisses me right off. Recently, and this is, this was, this one goes along the same lines, but um, accountability or lack thereof in people or in systems, which relates to the third one, which is complacency. So when, when those two together, if somebody's complacent in a lack of accountability, just because of the place that they're at, those will those will get my my meter right off the chart as well. So those are my three: justice, accountability, or the lack thereof, and complacency. Do you have or, any examples you can think of that come to mind? If I see people, for, so for the first one, justice, or it's rather a justice sensitivity. If I if I see somebody being unjustly, unfairly treated, and I know that there are systems in place where that's not supposed to happen. I'll jump into a fist fight for no apparent reason, just because like you shouldn't be beating on women. <laughs> like that, for a perfect example, yeah. like, under no pretense should that happen. I don't that know has happened in your life. Yeah, like that's yeah. like it's going to happen, right? In public, like you see two people Absolutely. you don't know. I was on my bike, riding my bike, and this guy's just beating the hell out of this woman. I just jumped off my bike, and I was like, "This is not happening," right? So, but it's mm. just like it's a, it's a trigger. It's just like here we here we go, right? Recently, with a CrossFit that I do at school, and in the last couple of years, um, this is number two: the accountability. I've realized that within the system that we have locally, the public school districts, accountability is at an all-time low or just completely missing. And not only in the students, but because of a systemic problem with the educators of our area and the and the district that we operate in. It came to a head recently where we are going to separate CrossFit out of the schools because nobody will give me an answer and nobody will will have the integrity to stand up and say either yes or no or what the program's doing and blah, blah, blah. So, so that pisses me off. And, and I've said multiple times to people at multiple levels in the district, like, where's the accountability? And they're so afraid of, or it's a, it's a union job. We don't want to get involved. You know, there's like just levels of dysfunction and, and political, I don't even know what it is, but it shouldn't exist at the school. And that just irritates me to the point where I'm willing to break off a seven-year stint of effort to get that done. And I'm just going to be like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just curious when you say there's no accountability with regard to that, what are you referring to? So there's like, yeah. So I mean, there, there is oftentimes remarks made, Oh, we're going to have a scheduling thing set up or, you know, we'll, we'll um, talk to all the coaches to get, to get everybody on board and and this will become the strength training program. Like there's just promises made and nothing is done when there's no, when there's no, Okay. It's called the question. Nobody has anything to say except for looking out the window and whistling. An, agree- an agreement is made when it's not followed through yeah. or followed on. Nobody nothing. cares at all. They're just like, yeah, that's the way it is. I'm like, that's not the way it should be. And then and then number three is complacency. With it, like with that example, it's the other one. Like, this is the way it's always been. So this is just how this is how the schools work. And I'm like, that's this is ridiculous. Like, you're just gonna be lazy because nobody will press it. Like I'll press it, but nobody's gonna battle me. Nobody's gonna like step up behind me to support me. Well, what's the point? Yeah. Right. Those things get me really worked up. Early on in our podcast journey, uh, we had a listener reaching out and say, hey, if you're going to talk about a topic, can you define the topic first? And I realized that tonight I haven't yet done that. But I purposely didn't just look on Webster's Dictionary to see the definition of patience. I I dug a little bit deeper to find some, I guess you could call them cliches or some perspectives on patience I thought were kind of cool that people might not have heard before. So one of them is this. 
Patience is when you're supposed to be mad, but you choose to understand. I like that. I don't love supposed to be, so I would change that yeah. to patience is when you're feeling like you want to be mad, but you choose to understand. And then the other one that I that I came across that I really like is patience is not simply the ability to wait, but it's how we behave while we're waiting. Or I might say yeah. is where our mind goes or our mindset while we're waiting. And in thinking about the three areas where I'm not patient, you went, I feel like you went way more macro on the answer than I did. I thought of like specific examples Mm -hmm. and places where I struggle is I am not patient when I know that there's an unopened text or email. Like it it will, it will grind me to not (laughs) look at it. Yeah. And it's a problem often. If there's an email I know I need to send because I'm worried I'm going to forget what I'm going to say, or if I know there's an email in my inbox that's waiting for me, like I can't not address it. Mm -hmm. Same with a text. And I don't have text notifications, so my phone doesn't bang or anything. So it's like I'll just check it when I walk by and those types of things. And if if I see that there is one, I can't not read it. Interesting. I'm just very impatient with getting that information. It must just be that dopamine hit or whatever. But I can be doing something that I love, and that'll pull me away from that. And uh, I'm just really impatient there. Hmm. As I'm growing older, I'm becoming more neurotic about cluttered spaces. You know, for me, it's like cluttered, cluttered space, cluttered brain. And my daughter is just at an age right now where she just loves to pull everything out. And I, I really, really struggle with it. And I'm so impatient about just like, I'll just walk around, like pick stuff up and like move it out of the way. And Jen will be like, oh, yeah, that thing that I put over there that uh, I needed you to fix, where did that go? I'll be like, ah, yeah, I don't know exactly where I put that. I just wanted it out of the way. So there was no, I wasn't looking at clutter on the counter. Wow. Or, on the floor. So I'm, I'm very quick to just like clean up and I, and I'm trying to help LJ learn. Like if she takes it out, she should clean it up. But mm-hmm. I still fall into the trap of, Oh, it's just so much quicker if I just do it. And then when I walk into a space that's not cluttered, it is so enjoyable for me. And when I walk into a space, that's very cluttered. It's, it's the exact opposite. Hmm. And my daughter's just so happy to just pull stuff out and play with it and then not put it back and pull more stuff out and play with it and not put it back. But on the flip side of that, like I really don't want to crush her curiosity and she has a high level of curiosity and we don't do screens and she doesn't have siblings. So she has to self-entertain in some way. It's just a matter of finding finding a way to make it work for us. But I really, really struggle with having patience when like there's a lot of stuff out. I just want to like <laughs> blow my top and be like, hey, let's clean this room up. Yeah, yeah. It's not a lot like my dad. Interesting. Apples don't fall far. <laughs> no. Yeah. And then uh, Jen, Jen said, she said, I know a place where you're really impatient. It's when we have to do any type of moving or packing. And I, she likes to really think stuff through, organize it. So when we bring it to the new house, the new apartment, the new place, we've moved like three or four times over the course of our marriage. It's like, it's, it's all there and it's thought through and like orchestrated. And I'm, just like, I'm like, just throw everything in boxes and let's just move this thing as fast as possible. It's uh, interesting. And like, when we're packing to go away for a weekend, she'll like have stuff like bags, like half packed and I'll take them and put them in the car. She's like, um, that bag that you packed in the car, it's like, I'm not done filling that bag with stuff. Then I'll go out of the car, find underneath the stuff, bring it back. So I'm not super patient when it comes to those three things, waiting for correspondence digitally um, or sending clutter in the house and packing to go anywhere really. Yeah. Well, those last two are, they're tightly <laughs> coupled though, right? Like, because one could over over the other, the other one, what I tell Jocelyn, it never works, but she's, she's very much like you. Like 
I'll, I'll be cleaning the counter. I turn around and the rag's gone in the laundry room. I'm like, I was just using that. Like, come on. And I yeah. tell her, if it's not yours, don't touch it. Because <laughs> we tell the kids that all the time and it makes her yeah. think twice. She's like, oh, it drives her nuts, but she, it, she, it does make her give her pause. So think that next or as time. as I say, if it's yours, don't leave it out. <laughs> well, it goes both ways, buddy. I also asked my wife and my daughter to identify three places where they feel like I, I do demonstrate strength with my patients mm. or a high level of patience. One of them is I'm very comfortable waiting in situations where you have to wait. So no like airports, doctor's offices, even traffic doesn't get me too much because my mindset goes to there is nothing that I can do right now. Mm. So I'm just going to take this time and breathe and relax and actually take this as an opportunity not to feel like I need to get Good. stuff done. And where that's kind of changed is now you can bring a computer to the airport and you can get work done, so to speak. I can either edit the podcast or do something for school yeah. or some other project that might be working on. So that's kind of taken away from me. So it's like, if I don't bring anything where I can do work, then then I'm all good. I can stretch. I can read. I can do whatever. I don't need to feel productive. Unless there's a message to respond to. <laughs> and with my students, I feel, I feel good about my communication, my patience with my students. I don't often lose patience with students. I'm willing to try to see it from their perspective and have conversations about that stuff. So I feel have like- Have you always been that way in teaching? No. So you've learned that from the kids. Like you've you've yes. sharpened that one. Yeah, that's good. Yep. And then I, I would say I'm pretty patient with long-term goals. Like I'm cool with like saving and investing for the long-term. Yep. I'm cool with, you know, knowing that I might not hit this fitness goal this year or even in the next five years, but just stay with it. And over time- um, that will go well. I struggle with nagging injuries and little injuries. I, I'm impatient with those, and those can often dictate my day. <laughs> yeah. But um, with the long term stuff, I'm I'm pretty good with that, and and making also like long term decisions about like the house, like this decision we're gonna make about the house. Let's not let's not make this a short term decision. Like, what's the long term play on this? Mm-hmm. So those are some areas where I find that I can be fairly patient. Interesting. Are there are there areas where you find that your patience patient. is? No, never. And then anywhere. Like I said earlier, like, I'm, like I, th- I see it as resilient. So patience in, in the long game, like you, like, like working out anything physical, I'm patient with that. Like I, I'm patient to, if, if patience is the right word, I'm patient with a, like a very detailed and, you know, high, like high endurance running programs. Like I, but I see it as resilience. Like I just have to get the thing done today. Like I always have the mindset of, you don't have to go fast. You just, you just have to go. And it's just like, I'll just grind. And it's not, that's not a big deal to me. As long as I know that there's, there's wins along the way, right? Like I'm going to get better at this or whatever. Recently, I've been, I've been actually thinking a lot about mitigating the loss. So my mind is kind of flipped mm-hmm. like, oh, that used to be like, I could just get faster at that. Now it's like, no, I just need to stay the same. I just need yes. to maintain. So that's, that's been interesting to see, but I still have the same approach. Like it just has to be methodical and and, and that's one of the, the only few things really that I'm, um, aside from like, like diet, we've talked about this before, like light switch moments where I, I can just flip almost anything on and just go at, at a long and slow, maybe patient pace. I don't know if that's, if that's the patience you're looking for, but, but yeah, but th- those kinds of things, like no problem. So I'm preparing for the episode tonight. I was thinking it would be cool to kind of finish off the conversation about what we're learning about the health benefits of being patient and how that can have a impact both positively and negative negatively on our on our mind and our body. Yeah, do and I think I'm gonna breeze over the negatives and kind of really focus on the positives. But what we're learning about lack of patience is that it can result in things like poor judgment, 
irrational decisions. It makes us really restless. It can result in like harsh attitudes toward others or uh, shortness with others. And then it can it can bring on unnecessary stress, however you want to define unnecessary stress. But that when we lack patience, those things kind of kind of come to fruition. On the flip side of that, when this is what I want to focus the conversation on, is the positive impact that patience has on well-being. And um, the research has shown that our, our mental and emotional well-being is tied to a patient mindset the fact that we're able to mitigate anger, frustration, stress, those types of things. Something I learned in, in looking this up is that there have been some several studies done on this particular topic, but one particular in Iran that used a bunch of these assessment tools and came to the conclusion that the relationship between patients and other constructs in life, such as satisfaction, positive personality, a correlation between those two. And the people that were the subjects of the study like I said, we're given these assessment tools to measure the different different paradigms in their mind. And they found that patients, and especially at the long-term kind of patients, is a predictor of positive or healthy mental wellness. What we're learning is that the more patient a person reports themselves to be, the correlation between lack of patience and depression is real. So basically, the more we can search out, seek, and implement patience in our life, the more it would help with feelings of um, depression. Hmm. It's very interesting. So then my, my research kind of took me, and I always use the word research, but it's just like kind of interesting leading into this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Investigation, yeah. Uh, um, so there's those scientifically proven benefits to your mental health, but there are some pieces of this that I think are worth discussing. When we're patient, we tend to make much more thoughtful decisions. And when we make more thoughtful decisions, obviously we're less likely to make rash decisions that it might have a negative impact on us. That's interesting because... It's easy to say, oh, I need to be more patient, need to be more patient, but why? Like, what are the reasons why? Just from a real objective standpoint, when I'm more patient, I make decisions that might be better off for me, both in the short term and the long term, as well as the people that I care about and the people that are in my orbit. It's interesting. When I was looking at patients, I was doing my own little investigation, believe it or not. And when I, I looked at the, the um, definition, definition, that's the one of patients, it is uh, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset, mm. which is interesting can, because- can, the, can you read that again? Yeah. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. It's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Yeah, that and that was the definition that I yeah that I chose not to look up just because I wanted to take a different angle on it. Yeah, and I think where that can play in is is our cultivation of relationships, right? So if we're gonna if we're listing whatever our, our benefits yeah. of patience, we have we make more thoughtful decisions, we cultivate more enduring relationships, and those enduring relationships are meaningful to us, and that meaning and purpose through that relationship really drives our level of happiness, satisfaction, purpose fulfillment, those types of things. We be, tend to become more empathetic and compassionate towards others. And that obviously avoids straining our relationships. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty easy to say, well, of course, patient people have you know more patience for others and that positively impacts relationships. But when you think of it from a health benefit standpoint, people who have positive relationships in their lives live longer, get sick less and can, you know, can do a lot more fulfilling things in their life. And that's, Another reason why maintaining that patience 
through our relationships is so important in the cultivation of those relationships. Yeah. So when we talk about tactics, then how do you, going back to my question with, with you and, and what you've learned from your years as a teacher, can you put a finger on, I've learned to be patient by doing X? I think what I've recognized is that every action and interaction that I take with anyone with whom I interact matters for both the long-term and short-term strength of that relationship. So it's much easier to do with my students than it is with my my daughter, but it's in this moment, I'm not going to do anything to make a withdrawal from this relationship. And that is primary. And then as part of that, it's all right, what do I have to do to make that happen? For me, that's often being patient in that I'm not quick to make a judgment or an action that I think might hinder my building of that relationship. Interesting. So one example of that is I'll have every now and again, a kid will come through that I know that is just a pathological liar. And I will sit there and listen to the stories and not call the kid out. Mm -hmm. And just, and often what I'll do is just keep asking more and more questions. The kid will kind of dig themselves deeper with the story. And it's not because I'm trying to be rude or disrespectful, but I also don't feel like just like calling the kid out is going to strengthen my relationship with that kid. And it's like once I start asking questions and the kid realizes, oh, he actually kind of cares. I don't really need to lie for mm-hmm. him to value me. Then the kid will start to curb the amount of times that they that they lie to me or, or the, the storytelling that they share with me. I, the embellishment. I've done, I've done that several times over the course of my 18 years teaching. So. Huh. That's one example. Like I've had colleagues and friends who are like, yo, that kid just lies so much. Like, why why don't you just call him out on it? I'm like, because calling him out on the moment right now is not going to help my relationship with that kid. I'm going to get to that kid in a different way. Interesting. When did you adopt? Have you always held the, not, not to sideline, but it's so interesting that the difference between educators that I see, like there are very few that that I see that take that approach. Like the exchange the of the interaction is the primary purpose I'm there right like like I think that you actually see that like like you craft your teaching around that like how can I make this transactional you know collaboration I guess it would be the partnership at that point as best as it can be and I feel like many teachers at least in my life and those that I've seen have been how can I make this kid conform <laughs> to my yeah. teaching style yeah. so I can force feed this whatever the lesson plan is to them yeah yeah it's just my approach is people generally don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That has to be primary for me. And sometimes that gets in the way. Sometimes there's things that I should do as the teacher, the leader, the authority figure in the room that I'll back away from in worry that I might do irreparable damage to Mm. yeah to my relationship. Like in performance reviews? Like if somebody's there watching you, they're like, ah, you should have done this different. Nobody ever says it. I haven't. No, I haven't. Yeah. But I could, but I could see how people who don't know me well and see how I interact with my students might think is kind of weird. Oh, interesting. Wow. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Why can't all the teachers be take that? Like that should be the first part of entry for being a teacher. Do you care about these kids or you just want to put your agenda? Well, I, I think the truth is in many, many fields, the content doesn't matter. It's just a, it's a people, it's a people first approach. So yeah. if management or whatever, and you're working with people, like if, if people is not your thing, maybe that's not the best spot for you. And, and just, yeah, I don't know. for sure. I, I don't, I don't think of myself as a success, successful teacher, but I just love people. And it just happens to be a people gig. 
Yeah. So <laughs> right. it works well for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I just happen to be in a school that says, hey, let's prioritize relationships over curriculum because if the relationships are positive, the curriculum will be delivered at a higher level. And that's my approach. Yeah. And it'll be more ap- – it's more easily consumed, right? When the, like there's not this weird – oppressive you do write the yeah. essay give me the paper you know like that's on a different episode i'd be very very interested to know like how you balance that with the accountability of what the state mandates right like yeah you have to yep. do this but we still have to get to the same end post i think that's interesting yep. the other thing that i yep. found interesting what looking up that definition are are um they didn't use the word synonyms but um similar words and a lot of them struck struck me as as very strange like calmness I guess that, that doesn't that doesn't give me so strange after reading it a few times. Kindness, equilibrium, determination, resolve. So that that's when it starts to get like purposefulness. Like it starts to get to the point of yeah, these are adjectives of what it means to like re- results of being patient as opposed to what it means to exercise patience. Or even some of those, I think, are really close to what you were saying about resilience, like yeah. resolve and resilience. Yeah, yeah. Right. same kind of thing. Unexcitability yeah. is another weird one that was in there. Unexcitability, huh. I never heard that word. I, I think one, and I almost wrote this down, but one place where I lack patience often is I want to build a relationship with a student like too quickly, and that huh. that there's a natural pace to that. Yeah. So like when the new semester starts, I want to be as close to my new students as I yeah. was with this with the group that I just had for five months mm-hmm. and that, and that takes time. And sometimes uh, I put too much pressure on myself there. And Interesting. I know it, but I need to remind myself of it often Yeah. Um, because I'll, I'll beat myself up like, Oh, I'm not as close to this kid as I should be. It's like, well, I've only had the kid in class for two weeks. Like <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We'll yeah. Get there. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Two more, two more pieces I want to talk about as far yes. as benefits of our health are oftentimes if we're willing to be patient, we're able to, think or look for the long term, right? And we know that through that delayed gratification piece, we can move on from that short-term vision and have long-term, hmm. you know, health implications, at least as far as this conversation goes for our body. So yes, I want the cookie right now. Yes, I want the cake right now. But I know that if I am patient with my health and wellness and approach like over time, yeah, maybe today it doesn't matter, but if I avoid the cookie every day for 30 years and have the apple instead, what does that get me? Knowing that I might, I'll might, i never know the actual difference between you know, what action I take and what action I didn't take, but I can be okay with making the hard choice now over and over and over again, knowing that it's going to yield something positive down the road. And and for me, the very the very objective measures of that or the really good examples of that are one, saving money. I know that if I don't spend this money on this impulsive thing right now, I'll have that money later. And if I invest it, I'll have even more. And it's the same with fitness. If I do nothing today, I don't get any fitter. But if I do something today, I get a little bit fitter. And I stack those days for 30 years. There's a vast difference there. Just being patient with knowing that the work or the time or the effort or energy or the sweat equity that I'm putting in right now will pay off. And I think that that's really, really friggin' hard to see the see long-term that, yeah, play. On I see that. that. I can see that from both sides. Like I'm, I'm very impulsive just by nature, but somebody told me, somebody told me recently, you're going to die or you're going to die healthy. And it's like, no, this is true. Like it, like it depends on how, like your train of thought, like with the exercise, I can see it because I get benefits immediately out of exercise. Like if I'm in bad mood, I go exercise and I'm going to feel better. Like I know that Same. for a fact, but I don't think about if I don't smoke this cigarette, am I going to die tomorrow? You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, where's the, where's the time frame? And, and like, 
how far are you going to go in order to maybe at the end realize, like use money for, as an example, like I'm going to save all this money in investments, but what happens if those investments turn and now you've spent so much effort thinking that you're going to have this thing and it turns out you're just as unhappy or, or you, you would have ended up at the same place had you spent that money for whatever it was you wanted in the short term, right? Yeah. that's I mean, that's the question, right? Like, what's the end game for all that stuff? And when Doug came on and talked about financial fitness, he was saying finding that balance between yeah. what works now, but also knowing that you know do what you're doing today is going to be helpful for yeah, yeah. yeah, the future. I guess. And, and I think for me with the, with the health and wellness and the fitness stuff, it's, it's not so much that I'm going to live longer. So that would be my lifespan, but it's it's my health span. How much will I be able to do into those ages? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Will I be able to do the things that I want to do when I'm 75? Yeah, or yeah. will my health and wellness limit me from doing the things that I want yeah. to do? And that kind of goes so, back to the judgment, right? Like, Because I see people do nothing. And, you know, I, did I ever tell you about the time? I don't want to track too far, but we had a we used to have a thing at CrossFit called the Beer Mile. So every every year we'd have an anniversary party, and we would. Oh, that's, no, that's a le, that's a legitimate. Oh, oh it's a legit like, thing. A real sport, and you yeah, have, yeah, for real. It's a real sport yeah. in many places. Anyways, and I'd always won the Beer Mile because I just like to run and I like to drink beer, so that was no problem for me. This guy came in with with one of the new members, and his name was Tim. And Tim was a longshoreman, and Tim had like, I don't know, six, seven DUIs. And he just drank all the time, smoked cigarettes. Like he's out there smoking joints before the beer mile. I'm like, what this guy, why are you even entering? Right. He comes, drinks the most high octane beer, smokes cigarettes right before we start and just smoked me. And I was like, what? Like, how can this even happen? But that's the freak occurrence. Right. So it's like, yeah. but that guy didn't care about his health and fitness. Like he was completely yeah. caring about somebody else, but there are, there are strange conundrums where it really doesn't matter. Like you, you know, yeah, were you telling me there was somebody you knew that, that had smoked for most of their life and they're still alive? I, I was just researching. What's the term? Someone who lives to be a hundred cent, centenarian. Centurion, isn't it? Centurion. Yeah. And there's just, there's lots of examples of people who ate ice cream every night their whole yeah. life and lived to be a hundred and smoked cigarettes every day yeah. of their adult life and live to be a hundred. I just think there's always going to be outliers like that. But you know, when you talk about yep, generally well. speaking, yeah. broad and inclusive, what are the, what are the trends across? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, we know that people who strength train in their older ages are, have the sure. ability to access their mobility in ways that people who don't. For sure. It's not so much the strength training that matters. It's the retention of strength. Yeah. And the Can way most of couch? us retain strength is to is to use it. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that there's yeah. a lot there, though. Like, you know, what predicates your long term view as opposed to your, the short term merit? Like, we always talk yeah. about the marshmallow, right? But what about the people who eat the marshmallow and then they just keep on eating the marshmallow? Like, are they really that much worse off, or is it just that we focus yeah. on the people who didn't eat the marshmallow? And that's you know how we look at it. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. It is. It's really weird. Last two, when it comes to uh, health benefits I want to share tonight, are an enhanced feeling of inner peace. Mm. And when we, when we have that patience that teaches us to pause, to be present, to surrender to the moment, I think that stuff is, is really important. And that's what I'm working on right now. Yeah. And some of the research that I said is to find your inner peace, make time, just strive to be present by just breathing. Yep. And I know that's something you incorporate into your life. And we've been doing that in school in my better than yesterday class. Nice. Good job. You know, make time to be with ourselves is is a really important thing. And there's a level of patience there for me. It's like if I if I commit <laughs> to four minutes, I'm like, 
try to keep my eyes closed the whole time, but like <laughs> opening one eye and seeing, Oh, how much time is left? Yeah. Um, yeah. Even that, even that is kind of a, a small example of that type uh, of thing. And then the last one is a uh, higher level of patience helps us and teaches us to be, to be more kind. Uh, when we're patient, you know, more likely to act from a place of kindness. Um, when the world around us seems to be uncaring and restless, patience often reminds us to be gentle, to be lenient with others, and to be more forgiving toward those who are driving us to our limits. Just being patient with ourselves and being patient with others has these these benefits in our health that can lower our stress, can drop our, our cortisone levels to help our body and mind manage the stresses and the struggles that are put on us or that we bring upon ourselves to navigate those in a way that, that are more more fruitful, more purposeful, more fulfilling. Yeah. I like that. Those last two really resonate with me for sure. We make thoughtful decisions when we're more patient. We tend to cultivate enduring relationships. We think long-term. We're more likely to find inner peace and we find different ways to learn to be kind. Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Good. You don't bring an Axl Rose on you. <laughs> oh, man. What a great song. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. <laughs> to all the patient listeners out there, our family listeners, we so very much appreciate your ears. We thank you for your time. We are incredibly grateful for your attention. We are the School and Struggle Podcast. We are out. See ya. Thank you.